I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to today's conversation. I'm so happy that you're tuning in, whether you're on a walk, perhaps you're driving, maybe you're folding laundry. Thank you. Thank you for letting us be a small part of your day. It's always fun to see what you guys are up to as you listen. I know today's conversation is going to be one that you enjoy. It's with interior designer Lils McKenna. This is a conversation I have been very eager to share ever since we stopped recording, and I'm so happy that today is the day I mentioned that Lils was coming on this week's episode, and many of you in my DMs were just as excited and thrilled about it as we have been, so thank you. This is going to be such a fun conversation. Now, before we dive in, I wanted to share a quick update in regard to the life of the podcast this week specifically. This week, if you're listening when this episode drops, I am in Sea Island, Georgia at the summit with the Southern Sea, a conference that a upcoming podcast guest, Caroline from LCB Style, uh, mentioned to me and actually sent me an invite, said, hey, why don't you join us? And so I'm here. I'm so happy to be here with so many of my previous guests, many upcoming guests, and I'm here to figure out, okay, what does it look like to grow the podcast? How can we turn this into a business? If you guys want a little bit more of a candid update, last Friday, a bonus episode dropped with me, myself, and I on the mic. That might be of interest to you if you've been keeping up with just how we've been growing the podcast and how much fun we're having every step of the way. And of course, the most fun happens on Tuesdays with our guest episodes. You guys, full disclosure, after this conversation with Lils, I went to her Instagram and screenshot everything. I redid a whole room in my house via the inspiration that I found through Lil's design. It's it's just amazing. So you guys might want to rearrange furniture as you listen to this podcast because that's basically what I did. You're going to hear right off the bat, Lil's is so charming, kind, disarming. I really think you're going to enjoy today's conversation. Here is Lil's McKenna on How'd She Do That? Today's guest, Lil's McKenna, is a New York-based interior designer who creates homes that are rooted in tradition and tailored to reflect each client's personality and lifestyle. Layered in various furniture styles, patterns, and textures, Lil's interiors provide her clients lasting sophistication and comfort. Prior to establishing her firm, Lil's worked for esteemed interior designers Lindsay Coral Harper and Markham Roberts. She credits both designers for teaching her not only the art of decorating residential interiors, but also the skills required to execute projects of all sizes in a timely and organized fashion. Her work has been featured in House Beautiful, Real Simple Magazine, The Wall Street Journal, and One King's Lane, to name a few. When Lil's isn't treasure hunting for clients, bringing dream homes to life, or speaking with women like myself, she is likely spending time with her family, which includes her husband and two sons in New York City. Lil's, welcome to How'd She Do That? 
Thank you so much for having me. Well, I have been so eager to get you on a call because I have been looking at all of your work and I've basically been drooling as I've been looking at it. I'm like, (laughs) what? This is amazing. So to have you, you, oh, well, to have you here today, uh, this is such a treat. And and just even before we started recording, I think we're going to have fun. I think this is going to be- Yes, I think so too. (laughs) I think this is going to be a fun call. So again, welcome and and thank you so much for your time. Uh, You mentioned you've listened to a few episodes. So you actually kind of know what this looks like. I love to I dive in. I'd love yeah. to just dive in and hear more about you. Perhaps tell us a little bit about your upbringing and then ultimately, where did you go to school? So I grew up in Baltimore and Summit, New Jersey. We moved um, when I was basically about to go into high school. Um, and so I kind of grew up half and half in two different places. And um, I definitely grew up with a family who was sort of involved in interior design. My grandmother um, was an amazing designer. She did not really take on clients. That really wasn't for her, but she did amazing work on our own homes. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom owned a furniture store when we lived in New Jersey. So I had a lot of exposure early on. And then I went to College of the Holy Cross in Massachusetts. Um, and I actually studied English literature there. Oh, okay. So you dove into that field. What at that <laughs> time did you think you were going to do with that? <laughs> I actually thought I was going to go to law school. Um, oh. And so I was like in my junior year, I was studying for the LSATs, the test oh. to get into law school, and uh, you had to take study breaks. So you were <laughs> you were supposed to like study for thirty minutes and then take a quick break doing something that had nothing to do with the LSATs. <laughs> so I kept a stack of shelter magazines. I'd always have you know Veranda and House Beautiful and Architectural Digest. Um, and then I would keep links for the different design blogs that were out at that time oh. too. So that was like my study break. And I kind of got around to the part where you were going to be submitting like full applications for law <laughs> school. And I realized there's something to the fact that every single study break I'm taking has to do with interior design. And I probably should explore that before I sign on <laughs> for law school. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, it's it's really fun to think about, yeah, that that you recognize that. And what a kind of I'm sure in the moment it wasn't as clear, but what a clear kind of story to to be able to share now of like, yeah, what I was doing for fun, I realized was my key interest. <laughs> and, right. You know, it was funny because at the time at Holy Cross, it was it was sort of like uncharted territory to be exploring a um, creative field like that. It was um there were a lot of students who were getting jobs kind of through the school uh, with bigger corporations. And it was, it was very unusual to, to say rather than go to school or work for a bigger corporation, I'm going to try my hand at this very creative path. Yes. Well, okay. So I'm curious because uh, not being in the interiors world, you're looking at these magazines, you're seeing that you really have an eye for style. You're recognizing even the influence of your grandmother and your mom. What made you pick? I mean, is that kind of the the route you would go if you're interested in interiors, you would become an interior designer, but you mentioned your mom had a furniture store. There's so many different roles you can actually take in that field. What made you decide uh, interiors? Specifically interior design. Yeah, you're right. There are so many different 
routes that you could take into that field. I actually, I don't think I had it all figured out, you know, straight away. I think I was thinking I need to explore this field and I think I would like to be a designer one day, (laughs) but I don't think I was, you know, so clear on my concept that I was going to be an interior (laughs) designer. Um, So when I left school, when I graduated, I worked for my mom um, at the store while I was sort of oh. figuring it out. And um, and then I applied for other jobs um, with fabric houses and, um, you know, other sort of footholds in the industry. And I kind of realized that what I really wanted to do was work for a designer whose work I really loved. Mm. And be able to step in and kind of shadow them and, and see what it is that that their eyes catch and why it is that you're drawn to them. Oh my gosh, yes. that's so, it's so fun to think that that's kind of the the step you were taking. And, and I mentioned in your intro quite a few really impressive names. Tell us how did you narrow down what it would look like to potentially intern, and how did you get your foot in the door? So I think I, I kind of had this theory that designers must all have already started with some leg up that they were able to make a career out of this. So that Mm. was what I was really curious about was was if that was true. And that was, I think, why I thought I needed to work for someone. Um, So I actually started by interning for Meg Braff. And it was not a long, you know, I only interned for her. So it's not even in my sort of intro bit. But I really loved her work. Um, It was sort of different from a lot of other designers' work at that time. And I honestly just finally got the courage up one day to cold call her office and ask if they needed an intern. It was right at the tail end of the summer, and I thought, I bet their summer interns are leaving and they're panicking. Oh, my (laughs) Like I would be. (laughs) So I called and I said, are your summer interns leaving and do you guys need an intern for the fall? Um, and they were like, yes, please come tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. I, I have never, you were the first person to ever put that timing together, but you guys, those of you who are listening, that is genius. Lil's just tapped into something that we all need to be aware of at the end of the summer, call all of your favorite people and be like, are your summer interns leaving? <laughs> because that's so true. People are freaking out. Their summer interns are gone. All of the assistance that they had. Oh my gosh. And for you to be able to just cold call and, and get your foot in the door, it's so fun. Well, and tell me this, where are you in the world? Because you mentioned you were back working with your mom after school. Where is this new internship located? Where are you? Good question. So um, I was in New Jersey. And so I continued, I actually continued to work part-time for my mom at her store. Um, oh, awesome. And we lived in Summit, New Jersey. And the internship at the time was in the city um, up by the D&D building. And so I was commuting from Summit into the city for the internship. And then while I was there, Meg actually moved her her 
business out to Locust Valley, which was in Long Island. Mm -hmm. So I would get up at five in the morning oh, <laughs> and get on a train in New Jersey and switch trains at Penn Station to get to Locust Valley to oh, the store. Oh, it's one of those things. <laughs> it's one of those things you look back on in life and you think, did I really do that? Was I really running around <laughs> like that? Oh, well, what was your favorite thing about that role? And, and maybe what were some of your takeaways as you stepped in to really kind of understand what interiors and design even looked like? I loved everything about that role. I um, think I really realized when I was there how into this I was. I mean, I yeah. enjoyed literally cutting the samples for her wallpaper line. I, <laughs> anything that you told me to do that had to do with anything with an interior design, I was like, great, I can't wait to get started. Um, and I think I had thought that there was a world, you know, a sea of people with the same amount of enthusiasm. Mm. that I had. And I, I think what I learned really quickly was that um, it wasn't as common as I thought and um, mm. and that it was going to be a fun job for me uh, mm. in a way that I, maybe it was, you know, it is for a lot of people, I think. But I had the this whole thing built up in my head like, oh, I can't get into that business because I don't know anyone personally within it. Mm. And everyone's going to be as excited about it as I am. And mm. um, it turned out that um, it was just a good fit for me mm. personally. Well, I love to, and just to piggyback off of something you shared earlier, the the thought of, you know, I, well, everybody in this industry had a leg up, you know, they knew somebody or just somehow they already were in this. And I love that that, well, one, you know, you found inspiration through your grandmother and your mom, of course, but that wasn't the case for you, you know, for you to come in and to be able to say, I want to learn, I want to figure this out uh, and just eye-opening for those of you who are listening, there's already so many good moments in this conversation, but when you look at people and you see the role that they're in, you know, yeah, it is easy to think, well, they just had it already going or, or whatever things we make up. But for you, you were able to find this passion, find something that you love, even cutting the wallpaper, getting ready to style different things. You're like, okay, I love this. So, so you were kind of off to the races at this point. How long did this internship last and what did it look like for you to to hone in and, and continue on into, you know, all the different things you've done? You know, I think I worked for Meg for like four months, maybe. I actually yeah. can't remember exactly how long it was because it all starts to blend together. Yes. But <laughs> I, did, I did sort of realize at one point that I was going to need to find a full-time job because it was just not sustainable to be coming from New Jersey right. um, out to Long Island. So I ended up Again, cold calling Gosh, Lindsay, love it. Um, to see if she was looking for anyone. Um, and I had, I had had like a, a literally a, 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 a sheet from a magazine pulled out with Lindsay's, um, with an article with Lindsay in it from the House Beautiful, I think, uh, oh. about redoing a dresser for your dorm room or something. Um, and so when I heard that she was, her office was near. Um, where Meg's old office had been, I thought, okay, perfect. If I could get into work with her and learn from her, um, her work is really exciting to me mm. and and interesting. Mm. And you knew, were you introduced to both of these gals through their work? How, how did you originally find them? I found Lindsay actually through, I think through House Beautiful. And then again, 
through blogs. Um, yeah. She – I think I might have found her through um, Style Beat, which was Marissa Marcantonio's blog. Uh-huh. And Meg, I knew through magazines for sure. She had had a few houses published um, while I was in college and I always was really drawn to her work. So I love that. I love that, you, that this is really cool because I don't know that I've had a guest that is as clearly communicating exactly what you did and exactly how you found these people. I mean, it, it's obvious that you're kind of a natural networker and I think it would be interesting to know where where this confidence comes from to cold call, but I love that you're like, <laughs> yeah, I, fa- I found their work, I loved it and then I reached out. And it almost sounds like big deal, you know, but but to to really <laughs> unpack that, that's a big deal. I mean, that that takes a lot of confidence because how old are you at this time? 21, oh my I gosh. guess. Um, yeah. No, I think, honestly, I think that the cold calling was more just sort of not, there were, I didn't have any clear inroads into this industry, right? It, yeah. I, now you have business of home, you can go on business of home, which is um, a great resource for people who want to get into the industry and you can look up you know, all of the, all of the, um, ads for all the job listings within the industry. Um, but that wasn't a thing, or if it was, I didn't know about it because I was too outside (laughs) of the real (laughs) workings of the industry. So this was probably more, less confidence, more desperation (laughs) (laughs) to figure out what I was doing (laughs) in this industry. Okay. And here's my last little, cause I'm, I'm, I'm just like obsessed with this part of your story. Did you have a phone number for anyone? Or did you look up like the office's phone number? Did you even have a name to say, hey, can I speak with XYZ? Oh, no. I looked up the office's phone number. Guys, <laughs> listeners, this is so cool. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Okay. So tell us. Tell us. You you give them a call. This is, this is uh, cold call number two, and we're winning again. And, and what? <laughs> Lindsay's like, who are you? Or I have space, come in ASAP. What did it look like to begin that process of working with her? So she actually was looking, I think, for an assistant at that time. Um, Or maybe she was looking for an intern. I can't really remember. But she said she was looking for somebody. And um, could I send her my resume and come in and meet with her? Um, And I was so close by sort of in in the area at the time. So it really worked out that I was able to just come in and meet with her. And I think we kind of hit it off right from the get-go. She had this adorable office um, in uh, right around the D&D also. Um, And so I was really comfortable in that area too. Like I already Mm -hmm. kind of knew my way around and I knew, you know, when you're an intern in interior design, a lot of it is just like schlepping. So I knew (laughs) where to go pick up band-aids if I got blisters (laughs) from my shoes. (laughs) Where to schlep. (laughs) Exactly. I knew where to go get a smoothie if I didn't have time for lunch. Um, So I think I did feel confident in that that area at that time. That's cool though. It's cool to think that, you know, the, the industry you were stepping in to it's like, oh, but at least the area gave you some comfort of like, okay, I've got this. I'm going to be able to do this. Well, yes. tell us about what that role kind of morphed into and and maybe tell us about some of your favorite takeaways and, and experiences with Lindsay. So at Lindsay's office, I was, I think I started as sort of what you would describe as a design assistant. And I probably moved into more of like a project manager role. Yeah. Um, while I was there. Uh, and that was just sort of a natural, like how, how com- confident was she in me and, and how much could I take on for her um, over time? So I 
I really started with sort of the basics there. I think I was entering, you know, items into um, the software to sell to people. I was helping her get prices for things. Um, it's a lot of like just phone calls to, to fabric houses, phone calls to your upholstery workroom, hmm. and figuring out how to clearly communicate what the designer is looking for. Hmm. That's the, sort of the beginning stages. And is this for residential places? What, what, what were your hands in at this time? Yes, we we mostly did residential there. We did one um, hotel. We did a, like a suite for a hotel while I was there. I oh, how fun. Think. Oh, and we did one office, I think, also. But mostly residential, yes. And how long were you at this role? For four years. <laughs> okay, four so a good – wow. Okay, yeah. So a good chunk of time. But the thing that's kind of popping out to me with, with this role specifically is – Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, there's no interior design major that you went through. You you went to school through work. Is that right? Yes, I actually took one short class at the School of Interior Design. Um, oh, nice! And that was at a at a time when I was like considering transferring schools. I looked into it, mm-hmm. and I have to say, I school for design wasn't for me in the way that working in design was for me. So I did not wow. end up going there. But um, I learned so much from working for people. So I think I think I got sort of lucky. And some people, it's perfect to go to school. Right. Uh, for me, it was more perfect to cut wallpaper samples, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I <laughs> – Lils, I would be thinking the same thing. I'd be like, more school or just go ahead and go. I, I would be like, <laughs> I, I got to get out of here. I got to do this. I got to learn from experience, which is so cool because that does seem to be a theme right off the bat early on in your career, recognizing what you love and going for it. Um, and gosh, being somewhere for four years, that's a good chunk of time. And I'm sure you, as I mentioned, you credit a lot of your eye for design and and just different things to to that season. Uh, tell us what what did it look like to leave? What was the momentum and the shift there to kind of step into a new role and say, okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep moving and, and go and learn from someone else. Oh my gosh, it was so hard to leave. I loved Aww. working with Lindsay, so it was very hard to leave. <laughs> um, but at the time, it was an opportunity presented itself, and it was the right move for me. I needed to see another office, how another office worked. I felt like I needed exposure to different offices um, and different sort of projects, different kinds of projects. So it definitely ended up being the right move for me. Although I think I was probably, you know, the worst at um, saying goodbye and and leaving. It just was it was so hard because we had spent so much time together. Mm. Um, and I had learned so much from her. Mm. So um so anyway, yeah, I ended up moving to Markham Roberts' office um, after about four years with Lindsay. And what was the role that you stepped into there? So I started as a project manager at Markham's office. Um, and so I was overseeing my own projects, which I was also doing at Lindsay's uh, by the time I left Essentially, it's just a it's just a more hands on role with the projects in terms of overseeing all of the logistics and all of the orders and keeping really detailed, organized notes on every single item throughout the house and um, and on tracking all of it. 
Oh my gosh. I'm writing down detail and organized. Exactly why I would not be an interior designer. <laughs> well, now I'm not so good at it. I think, now I always am saying to my team, like, I used to be so good at this. <laughs> like, that's our but job. you know what? Yeah, but now you have a team. It's like, team, this is your job. Oh, that's hilarious. I really did just write detail and or- detailed and organized. I'm going to tell my husband later, hey, honey, this is why I'd never be an interior designer. But that is so, it's so cool. And I, I do want to share to, well, even just something you just, you just said, um, it's really cool to hear Lils that in your career, um, you, I mean, and we've hit it off immediately, so I'm not surprised by this, but it was challenging for you to, to step away from your role with Lindsay because you loved it so much. And, uh, listeners, you know, sometimes I think growth can be painful and those goodbyes can be painful. It might be something you don't Actually, you're like, oh gosh, this is really kind of tearing at my heartstrings to move forward. But ultimately, for you, it was the next best thing because it was taking you to to the next step. And like you said, looking at other houses and and seeing how other offices work. And uh, so, anyways, just an encouragement for anyone who's listening, where maybe you feel like you're set and it's great, but perhaps another role has come up that might really be able to take you to the next level or give you some insight that you don't have yet. Just a quick encouragement from Lil's and from her story you know, it's going to be good. It's going to be better and it's going to be okay. <laughs> Cause I know that that transition at times can, can be challenging. Well, tell us about some of the different projects that you did uh, in that season with Markham Roberts. Oh my gosh. We did a lot of projects. We, <laughs> we did a lot of big residential projects. Um, really? So really, really what I was kind of honing there with him and learning from him and from his team um, that was existing there was about managing a different scale of project in terms of just massive houses um, that I I had done, you know, big houses with Lindsay as well. uh, But this was sort of a different scale and also um, a different just number of projects to be overseeing at one time that were that large. So you really had to be on top of your spreadsheets for every single item in the house um, and where everything was and and um, what stage everything was was in in terms of production. Oh my We also gosh. did tons of really custom items. So there might be four or five different vendors uh, involved in a single piece of furniture. Oh, so my that gosh. was another learning <laughs> for me. I think. Oh my. So with, with something like that, just to unpack it, what that would be like a furniture person, or excuse me, look at me. I'm not even going to know the right words to say <laughs> a fabric person, a, a wood maker, or I don't even know carpenter. And then like a knob. I mean, w- 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 that's crazy to, to think about the, the, like, I don't even have the words to communicate what I'm trying to say, but that's amazing to think of all the details that were going into this. And you guys, wow. Okay. So yeah, you have a lot to keep up with, with this role. Now, are these residential homes, are these um, ones that you guys are coming in and doing the interior solely, or is this a building project? Did you get into any of that? What was that like? So that was the other part of that role. I was overseeing the architectural phase and the construction phase uh, wow. projects as well. So I think that that really was one thing that I really dove into at Markham's was learning about the architectural phase because he really was so trusting of the project managers to 
um, be on top of the communication with the architects and overseeing the drawings. So I was very committed to making sure that I gave him any update that was necessary for the drawings because when you get new architectural drawings, it's not often that there are notes for things that have changed and it's possible that the client spoke with an architect in between when you spoke with the architect and there might be something that we didn't know about that was appearing on the drawings. So I was super diligent about the drawings. I remember that was a big learning curve for me also. Um, It's getting like huge stacks of drawings for a new house or a renovation and going through and using post-it notes to call out anything that I thought was would be significant oh, for so would him you, to know about. Oh my, would you look at previous drawings and compare the two? Is that mm-hmm. how you were? Oh my. <laughs> and look back at emails to make sure because I was kind of learning a new language in real time also yeah. because I certainly had done some architecture with Lindsay, but she really was overseeing most of it herself and wasn't yeah. handing too, too much of it to me. So there were certain, you know, it's its own language and there were certain um, aspects of it that I was really having to learn, you know, trial by fire, learning in real time. <laughs> oh my, yeah, this is your, getting your doctorate in uh, interior design here. And then, yes. and then ultimately, and this is really fun because being able to hear just the different steps that you took and kind of the different themes that you learned at, at these massive, you know, uh, interior design firms, you ultimately thought, hey, this is something that I can do. Maybe tell us a little bit about how did you find your path towards stepping out to to start your own business? So it was sort of twofold. My role started to change at Markham's um, where I wasn't just overseeing my own projects. He shifted me into what he called an office manager mm. um, role where I was overseeing kind of everybody's projects from a distance, not, you know, the other project managers were really managing their own projects, but from a distance, I was assisting as needed or checking in as needed and then reporting back to him. So I was getting a lot of exposure to exactly what his job was within Mm. the office, um, which I think can be a little bit opaque sometimes because Mm -hmm. there's so many project managers and you're not all involved in his day-to-day or in the designer's day-to-day in in a bigger office. Mm. Um, And then on top of that, I was getting asked to do side projects by family and friends. And so I was doing some small side projects. I was really careful not to take on anything too big because – I really didn't have that much bandwidth like after work. Right. (laughs) I was (laughs) managing a lot when I was at work. Um, And so when I – ultimately when I got approached to do a bigger project, I really had to make a decision because Mm. there was no way to be um, on top of things at Markham's office at the same time as overseeing a bigger project. So I think, oh. again, that was a scary, <laughs> that was another scary transition, a scary growth period that um, I really had to debate it. It wasn't an easy, mm. let's let's jump, let's go for it yeah. kind of a situation. Uh, 
Well, it's interesting too, a theme that I hear for a lot of women when we speak about when it was time for them to take that jump, role changes is a huge theme um, that that they're placed into a different role and maybe they've honed in on their expertise in a way that they could have potentially outgrown the role they're in, you know? So it's fun to hear that for you, you know, there were enough people coming your way and saying, hey, what about this? What about that? Um, you know, w- would love for you to assist. So also tell us what's happening because now we're, you know, we're post-grad quite into post-grad season of life and whatnot. What is happening in your personal life? Because I, I always love to connect the dots. I know there's a sweet family involved now, but what's <laughs> happening in your personal life at that time? So I got married shortly after I started working for Markham, okay. actually. Um, and then, so I was already married. I was living, you know, with my husband in the West Village uh, when I went out on my own. So I would say at home, things were pretty set up yeah. already, yeah. which is a nice, you know, a nice cushion to fall back on to feel like, you know, at home. Yeah. Everything's settled. Yes. When and you make those big leaps. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, exactly. To have the support and to have the the will to go for it and then a team to be like, go for it. Yeah, you can do yes. this. <laughs> yeah. uh, so was that first pro- – was that large project, the one you just mentioned, was that your first one as a kind of solo interior designer? Yes. I kind of uh, started that project. So I started that project and – and had to tell Markham that I was going to leave to take on this project um, and ended up working for him sort of part-time through the beginning stages of that project. By the time it was installing, I was fully working on my own. And installing, is that what, what, tell us what that means. That means when you, so the way that I work and, and, um, and the designers that I've worked for work is you have everything shipped to a central location or everything timed up so that it's all going to be ready to be delivered at one time. So you either kick the the client out of their house for a couple of days (laughs) (laughs) or you ask them when they're going to be away or when they need everything in by um, because often there's like a holiday or a party that somebody needs everything in by. And And then you organize the installation. So that means, you know, you've got a moving trucks full of furniture. You've got curtain installers coming. You've got electricians coming and you've got art installers coming. Um, So it all sort of happens back to back so that they can leave one day and um, come back, you know, a few days later and and their house is totally different. Obviously, wallpaper has to happen a little before that. You can't be doing all of them at the same time, (laughs) at least hopefully not. And now in this post-COVID world we're living in, it's like, uh, eventually that one piece is coming. Literally. been promised many times. (laughs) But (laughs) before that, there was this nice clean situation where you installed – within a week or two weeks uh, or whatever you needed, depending on the size of the house. Oh, it's just, it's so cool. And for those of you who are listening, you you know, you can laugh at my questions, but, but I'm not an interior designer. And it's interesting too, to think about those of you who are listening, who this is all new to you. It's so cool, isn't it? To, to think about, okay, yeah, you leave your house, you've got, you know, uh, Lil's coming in and, and updating everything. You come home. It's like, oh my gosh, this is a new place. But really the takeaway I'm having right now is just the detail. Every single detail is taken care of. And the fact that that's what you're doing is insane to me. So this big project (laughs) you take on, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, these can last years. Is that right? 
They can. This one wasn't so, so big that it would last okay. that long. And it was. There was no construction involved. So it was okay. just design, which is um, – it was just decorating, which which is a simpler you know process to and go through. Yes. and Well, somewhat simple. And from <laughs> there, you have now you've, – you've really recognized – I mean, you tell us, is there a real confident shift? Is there a real aha moment? I'm going to do this on my own. I want my own team someday. When do you think that, that moment came into play? I think it was ha- – I think it happened really when I got that call to do that project. But wow. it was a slower roll than an instant, yes, I can handle this. Yes, I can do this. But I, I did come to that eventually, you know, before accepting that project. Mm-hmm. I think um, there was certainly a build to it and then an exhale when it all got installed. <laughs> because uh. in theory, you know, designing a room is – is it's all in theory for a long time or a series wow. of rooms or a whole house. It's it's in sketches, it's in floor plans, it's in uh, samples of fabrics, what we call the scheme. It's all in theory though until you really start to see the pieces getting delivered into the house. And often you don't see them in person. Sometimes you do, but in, especially now, you don't really see the pieces in person until you're in the house and it's all coming together. So yeah. I think that first installation by myself with the design that I had done by myself uh, was definitely a big confidence booster moment of, okay, I can mm. handle this. Well, and I, I can't imagine the feeling of – uh, tap, you know, patting yourself on the back, or, or like you said, just an exhale, but even probably a little bit of an awe moment of, I did this. This looks amazing. And you guys, if you haven't looked up Lil's work, um, yeah, you should probably do so right now. I'm going to give you a chance to find her and connect with her later on. But I just want to tell you right now, you should go check it out because really your eye and style, it's its what I wish my eye and style was. <laughs> Thank you. That's so kind. <laughs> and it, it's true. It's true. I mean, it's just, it's really really beautiful. So fr- from there, from that install and from that, I mean, I, I'm going to call it this success, um, you know, relationship with the client and whatnot. Um, was it off to the races? What, it, what did it look like to begin to build your clientele? It was kind of off to the races. I really lucked out in that I had connections already within the industry, mm. just from going to parties and meeting people within the industry that I knew older designers who would send clients who inquired with them that they didn't have the bandwidth to take on Mm. to me. um, Or I knew somebody in PR who recommended me to someone or it was sort of very natural how it all came together. But I was very lucky in that some of the connections that I had led to a quick client roster. Mm. Well, it's really that, cool to think too of how they came to you. I, I love what you just shared. Just the the chunk of time that you committed to the industry itself really paid back, really came back yes. f- full force. Yes. You know? Yeah. I think sometimes you go to parties with 
work parties and you think, I wonder to what end? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> I wonder what good that did for anyone. Oh um, but That's it certainly ended up paying off for me to have made connections and chit-chatted with people at parties. Yes. Work. Oh, that's so funny. But but so true. You you truly never know, you know, where different connects are, are going to take you or different cold calls. Uh, well, it's been fun to kind of highlight the, the different uh, kind of seasons of your career and then ultimately stepping out onto your own and, and doing many awesome projects there. But I would be curious to know, are there any instances throughout your career or, or maybe a story that comes to mind where you'd say maybe failure helped shape it? I think I definitely felt like a failure when I graduated from college mm. and I didn't have anything lined up. Yeah. And there was a lot of flailing around figuring out what does this next stage look like. I think that time right after college can be hard for a mm. lot of people. Even if you're already in a job, I think it's hard sometimes to figure out if you like it. But especially if you are taking a different route, I think it can be hard to feel like you have any sort of mooring in mm adult life. Mm -hmm. And so that definitely felt like a failure to me. And so I don't want to downplay that. That's why I said, I think yeah. those cold calls were out of desperation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Else. No, I love that you would hone in on that. I, I've, I, I, it reminds me, I had a conversation with Inslee Ferris. She's an artist and similar to you. I mean, you're really on the creative side of things. And, and that was her takeaway as well was like, yeah, that post-grad season of life was really challenging. So I love that you would, you would point that out again, because you guys, many of you who are listening, you, you can really relate to that. And obviously with Lil's case, you know, there's hope you're, you're going to find your footing and perhaps the encouragement to you today is get on a phone call, ladies <laughs> or gentlemen, get on that phone call. Well, on the opposite side of that question, I'd love to know what was a real wow moment for you? I have been so lucky to have a lot of them because I am still in awe every time mm. we get to the installation and actually install. Wow. I always have this huge rush of gratitude that I feel like I'm going to cry when I stand there because mm. it takes so many people, mostly obviously the client's trust, but other people's trust, our vendors, um, my employees, uh, the clients, the client's architects, the client's contractors. There's a lot of trust being put in us and in me uh, from all of those people. And I think when I finally see the finished product, I always get that wow moment of, I'm just so grateful to everyone for mm. putting the trust in me to mm. get it to this moment oh. of being complete. I'm over. I have chills. I, I'm. I'm thinking about that moment that you're seeing your creation. But like you said, and how how sweet that that would be your takeaway. That I wrote that down. Rush of gratitude. I love that saying. I don't know if I've even ever heard it, but what a role to be in. That that that's a sense that you feel at the end of a project. Wouldn't we all love to be in a position in an industry? Find what we love. That at the end of a project, we're able to have that rush of gratitude. Just like wow, people entrusted me with their homes. And that's a whole other thing. You are creating a space people live their day-to-day -day lives in. Yes. Like, yeah. <laughs> that, I, 
I feel very lucky to have that rush of gratitude. I have to say it's usually preceded by a season of of anxiety leading right. up to an installation. <laughs> well, I'm I'm kind of put, I'm kind of putting that together. It's like we we're at the rush of gratitude moment. And I'm kind of backtracking like holy, this is huge. I mean, like you said, people are entrusting you with their homes and really the most important place. So, wow. I mean, that's, that's really cool. I don't know if I've ever quite gotten to that level of understanding, um, with an interior designer of like, yeah, that's really what you're doing. (laughs) It's also, I'm also just great. I think I get to a point where I'm so grateful for the people involved, the movers that didn't drop something, oh, the electricians like, yeah. that made sure that it it sat the way that I asked for, you know, if I yeah. wanted the light to sit a certain way that they they really played with it until it got there. Wow. The people on my team who made sure that we had the right finials for every lamp, that we had the, the cords God. changed out to silk wrap cords if we needed it. There's certain, there's a level of detail where I think once I start to notice all the things that went right after battling all the things that went wrong yeah. for for this, you know, coming up, leading up to it, oh. I just am so grateful for, I'm, I'm lucky to be, to get to that level, to get to that point where I wow. say I'm so grateful <laughs> to everybody who made it happen. Oh, well, very, really well said. I mean, that, that's really, it just, again, you guys, the, the detail and the, the thought and really the expertise and eye that is needed for all that you do. It's, it's clear that, that you have become from that post-grad season life, you've become the expert in this realm. And it's really, it's been amazing to kind of unpack that all with you today. Well, I I know that many of my listeners, they they really look forward to this question. So no pressure, but I do always give a little update. (laughs) It's a loaded one. Um, Could you maybe tell us what is perhaps the greatest lesson you have learned? I think that the greatest lesson I have learned is to trust my gut. Hmm. And to trust that feeling in your gut, whether it's good or bad, I tend to get a sinking feeling in my gut if I think something is wrong or mm-hmm. if something's not a good fit or something's not being communicated properly. Mm-hmm. And there, for a long time in my work, I would spend a lot of time trying to research something before I raised my hand to say, I'm just not sure we're understanding each other. And now I, I think I've learned over time and through tons of different experiences that the minute I feel it, I need to raise my hand and say, I just don't know what you're saying. Even if I sound silly and out of it and Mm. whatever, I just don't know exactly what you mean because everything that every conversation that I have ultimately will result in a physical item being placed in someone's home. (laughs) So I need to know, I need to raise my hand if I don't know what the architect means or what the contractor means. Mm. Um, And the same goes with clients. If there's a client where I'm, I'm not getting the perfect feedback in my gut from, from the interactions that we're having, I need to raise my hand and say, I just don't know if this is going to work. And I think that, that takes time to learn. Well, and it's such a good takeaway for anyone in in any industry. Over communicating is always going to be better than than questioning like, oh, what did they say? And and two, having that red flag moment and 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 doing something about it, and not just kind of passively hoping it comes together, only to have a client say, "What is this thing?" <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Trust your gut, and you guys hone in on that. I love it. That's 
that's a, there's so many, t- I, I'm often sitting on this side of the mic and I, I'm putting all these takeaways into my own life. So it, it's a lot of fun, but, but I know this too, you know, getting to know you today and, and doing a little research and, and seeing all of the amazing projects you've done. I've learned you always have something coming up. So tell <laughs> us what's next for you. We have a couple of projects in the works, and we have a couple of projects that are being photographed finally after years of, you know, timelines getting dragged on. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to be able to share those photographs eventually and also to, you know, get to the installation phases of the projects that we're working on so that we can start to share some of those. Um, and then what else is next for me is mostly time with my kids, basically. Oh, yes. <laughs> two sons. Yes. Yeah. Oh. Two and a half and one. Oh, my gosh. Which you guys, I mean, I, really, I should do a whole other how'd she do that mom version and just talk about every <laughs> element of motherhood in, in what you what you do and what so many of my guests do. Oh, my gosh. Well, this has been so much fun. I, I do want to know, is there anything we didn't cover today that you'd like to? I don't think so. I think we really dove in. Yes. Like I knew we would. Before we started recording, I was like, this is going to be awesome. And that <laughs> was definitely the case. Oh my goodness. Well, it's been really cool to, um, you know, for so many of my my earlier questions, your answer was cold call, cold call, cold call. <laughs> uh, and I love that, you know, ultimately kind of got to, yeah, that was kind of a desperation element, but, but such an encouragement for those of you who are listening, if you're looking to step into a role um, that you don't know anybody. And, and that's what I've done even with starting the podcast, a bunch of cold calls. So I, I kind of add this question in almost as a, a cold call to you. Who do you know that should maybe come on and share their story? So my friend Eliza Harris um, and her mom, Susan Crater, uh, own and run Sister Parish Design. I think they would be great. And also I think Nan Phillip would be great. Um, She has Simply Elegant blog and Nan Phillip Consulting. And I think she would be awesome on the show also. Love it. Fantastic recommendations. You all will have to stay tuned for potential episodes with them. And I know that I've been teasing this, but please tell us where can listeners connect with you? So probably Instagram is the best place to connect with me. I'm at Lils McKenna on Instagram. And then also my website, which is lilsmckenna.com. Yes. And just to plug this, you guys, run, don't walk, run to see everything we've been talking about today. You guys are really going to enjoy connecting with Lils and seeing all that she's done. Well, Lils, thank you again for your time today. This was so much fun. Thank you. This was so much fun for me too. I love listening to your podcast. So this was really a treat to get to be on it. Well, thanks again. And we will talk soon. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday for a new episode. We will talk to you soon.